The following program is being brought to you on the World Talk Radio Network. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit worldtalkradio.com. The World Talk Radio Network, where the world comes to talk. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the World Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Get ready to pump your energy and jumpstart your dreams with positive, uplifting, life-changing talk radio on the world's most popular power hour, Star Style. Be the star you are. The Oprah of the airwaves, Cynthia Bryan, and her sidekick, daughter, Heather Brittany, deliver lessons of success spanning the generations of the globe in their information-packed Tea for Two, a mother-daughter brew. In other segments, Cynthia interviews real-life trailblazers, authors, and experts with the courage and vision who show you how to build a road to fulfillment through their unique books and services. You'll laugh, you'll cry, you'll be informed and entertained. For your free lifestyle empowerment coaching session right here on the airwaves, turn up the volume, relax, sit back, and get ready to be inspired. Because Star Style, Be the Star You Are, starts right now. Well, hello, party partners, and welcome to radio's finest hour of power. It is Star Style. Be the star you are. We are a program of positive book talk with authors and experts that will help you excel in life. I'm Cynthia Bryan. And I'm Heather Whitney. And we are always thrilled to be your personal growth success coaches on the airwaves with you every single week since 1998. So get ready to pump that energy. Love, learn, laugh, listen, and live your dreams through books and positive media. The Miracle Moment for today is brought to you by the Carmony Collection for the handmade handbags that are great for every woman in your life. Visit CarmonyCollection.com. That's Carmony with a K and Collection with a K. And the Miracle Moment is be your best self, your only self, because that's the only self you can be. And everybody is a genius, but if you judge a fish by its ability to climb a tree, it'll spend its whole life believing it is stupid. That's by Albert (laughs) Einstein. (laughs) In today's show, we are literally going to hell and back. Well, Heather and I are going to be talking taxes in segment one, and you're going to get, you'll probably think that's pretty hellish, but but it's a, it's a necessity here on Earth. You're going to get my firsthand impression of the famously talented and infamously ill-tempered auteur Orson Welles in our second segment. And in part three of the hour, we will be talking with the mega best-selling author Bill Weiss as he shares his 23 minutes in the lair of the demons in burning hell. So we have a very hot, 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 fiery fiery show for you today so sit back turn up the volume because star style is coming right at you well when it comes to paying taxes most of us feel like the tax burden is pure hell and with Mm -hmm. just a month left to submit your forms heather and i wanted to help you prepare as best as possible now the statute books are loaded with all manner of taxes surtaxes credits exemptions deductions exclusions 
Depletion allowances, phase-outs, phase-ins, fees, and gotchas. And hopefully you've already finished your preparations and turned in your tax returns. But if not, it is time for you to get down to business. Now, as a quick disclaimer, be aware that neither Heather nor I are tax preparers. We are not bookkeepers and we are not accountants. We both hire and outsource these jobs. However, if you picked up uh, my book, The Business of Show Business, I do have a full chapter offering actors and entertainment professionals tips on what is allowed as deductions and what the norms are in the industry. That's at businessofshowbusiness.com. And the first tip that I want to offer you is to hire a tax specialist and then get your returns in early. Heather, what would be your first words of advice? So my first thing, and it's again, I I send my stuff off to someone so they can do all the heavy lifting, but I have to help load those boxes first. So I just want to give my advice. The first thing is get serious about it. Unless, don't wait, even though you have one more month till it's due, don't start in that one month. Each year, you know it's going to come up. So make sure when you're getting that time, whether you're doing it on your own or sending it off to someone, take a day, take a couple hours to prepare it yourself, getting everything organized. Next thing, I'd say get started. Remember I said that commitment, it's going to come every year. So uh, my big advice Same day, every year, April 15th, deadline, deadline, and you really will be dead if you don't meet it. Exactly. And if one thing, if you miss the ball on this year, it's a great time now to start for your 2011 tax return. Make sure at the beginning of the year, just get one of these little, you know, file file cabinet. I have one that looks like a little accordion. Start making, filing things away, you know, receipts, uh, business expenses. That way, when it does time, um, come time the next year, you are ahead of the game. Everything's organized for you, and then you can give it to someone so they can sort through and find all this stuff. And I'm going to jump in there, Heather, because that's very, very important. I actually just took um, a tax class from a- an accountant that was speaking to Screen Actors Guild to make sure that, you know, that the performers had everything in line. And I asked the question, what about... You know, our iPhones, our Blackberries, et cetera, where we're no longer carrying um, paper planners around anymore. Like I have, you know, a paper planner that I write down everything I'm doing every day. And I said, will that be allowed in the case of an audit? And, you know, the answer is we don't know. So have a paper trail, whether you're keeping your records on Quicken I still recommend having a um, some kind of day planner that everything you're doing, you're writing it in it. And as you said, Heather, keep the receipts and vouchers and all of that and keep things for seven years, even though they tell you you can do it for three or five. And that's another thing, speaking of saying you don't know, get informed and get educated. Every year, new tax bills are passed as well as things that can work for you or against you. Certain things that people used to be able to write off, they can't anymore. But there's also, due to a lot of clean air initiatives, there's a lot of tax credits that people can get. Um, There's a tax credit that if you have an older house and you've purchased um, more energy-efficient refrigerator, light bulbs, you can write that stuff off. Um, as well as you can get tax credits off for purchasing a new house as well. So find out uh, what new coding is. Some Even some coding has changed. So make sure you are filing things correctly and you know you're going to get more money back or so that you don't incorrectly file something and have them come after you. And that's the big thing is get help. 
even when I try to talk to people about it and I feel like I understand it, I really don't. And things are always changing. So there's so many different ways. You know, you can either buy those programs or you can do it all online. You can go to an H&R block. Um, as well as you can have um, an actual, uh, or the CPA, someone do it for you. Now, you always have to keep in mind your own financial um, ability. A lot of times when you're meeting with a CPA, someone who specializes that, it's going to cost you a lot more money. Instead of maybe $50, it could cost you up to three or $400. But they've infamously been known for finding um, the most money back for you. So look at your own circumstances and then find out, figure out who you can afford to go to help and what's going to be the most uh, beneficial for you. You know, and this is, that's really, really important advice because keeping up uh, with what is go- what all the current rates are is really a full-time job. And for those of you who have been listening to the show on a regular basis, you know that a couple of months ago we had a best-selling author who is a national tax expert on and talking about all the new taxes, penalties, fees, all the different things that are happening this year for 2011. And so next year is going to be incredibly challenging, incredibly challenging, because it, in order to pass a new tax, you actually have to vote on it. So the IRS has hired thousands of, I think it was 16,000 new auditors and something like 20,000 new employees. And so it, we are going to be so much more scrutinized and examined in the next few years because they're trying to build up the revenue that they need to operate. So get help. Heather, I think that's just that's probably the most critical of all things. You know, and speaking of being examined, I think is figure out your status, how you're gonna file. So a lot of times the lowest rates are when people are filing jointly as a couple. However, there are one the big thing of getting help of looking is that Sometimes by filing as a couple, there can actually be some really high uh, miscellaneous deductions, you know, medical, um, things like that. So also you have to figure out, you know, are you going to file as married, uh, divorced, single? And one thing, too, is alternately is if you're a single mother, it's better. There's a, a, tax, um, a tax status you can file as head of household. You're going to get a better return if you are a single mother filing as head of household than filing as single. And also look into, you know, sometimes people have dependents, um, are married, or even though they still want to do this whole head of household, um, which can be better for filing for married and separate couples. And so it's always good, again, before you go and do any of this, always speak with a professional to make sure you're not doing anything that could possibly come back as an audit illegally. Um, a lot of times, you know, people wanted to make, you know, their dogs, their dependents, in some circumstances, you can claim um, certain dependents such as that, um, but make sure you're doing everything legally and that you have traces of this so that nothing does come back to you um, when it comes, because no one wants to get audited. Another, you know, a great example of that when people are talking about their, their pets is in the entertainment industry, we use animals a lot for commercials and films and print jobs, and for Many years, the animals that we had, our rabbits, our dogs, our chickens, you know, our goats, they worked in television. And so what was interesting about that is their care and upkeep and the travel, it was all part of a tax deduction. 
So, you know, I would have never thought of that, except it, it was legal and it was something that the accountant said, oh, my gosh, of course, they are they're entertainers. <laughs> and then, so another thing was speaking along the lines of deductions, get exemptions. Um, for 2010, you could take off about $3,600 from your income with qualified exemptions. And qualified exemptions um, can be full-time students up to age 24, regardless um, of how many you have or what even what their income is. If you're still um, claiming, you can still claim them if they're not doing their own individual taxes. And also in 2010, they made it so that if you had an increase in income, that would no longer decrease your exemption deduction. So before when you're making more money, you know, it decreased your ability. But now on this one, you can actually be making more money. Just keep in mind of all the various exemptions you can have. Also, um, get cash. File, figure out, you know, how, um, what you want on paper and what you want directly deposit. So I was under the mis- I Prior before, I thought that I wanted um, a check sent to me. But after when I was doing some research, they're saying that it's actually a lot better to do the direct deposit. Um, with this, it eliminates the delay. You'll get it faster. It also can eliminate any possibility of something getting lost in the mail. And they were kind of saying the main thing, if you didn't have a bank account, maybe this would be a good idea to have. Um, but it kind of cuts out a lot of middlemen things. But make sure but you know. I do want to say something about this direct deposit because yeah. I talked to our accountant about the direct deposit. Yes, what you're saying is all correct, that you do get your return, you get your refunds faster if you're going to get a refund. However, since it is a person that's punching in the numbers, it is possible that uh, the wrong number could be punched mm. in and Good you would not point. get your refund, and at which point you're going to have to petition and fight the IRS to, to find that. So his recommendation was he tells his clients still not to do the direct deposit, instead to ask for the check, because if a check is lost, that's easily traceable. They didn't, you know, you can prove it. If they push the wrong button, it's going to take a while to find that. So I just want to throw that out there. Point. And that actually leads to... Um, with getting receipts, if you file on paper, because a lot of times people now are just doing everything electronically, if you do file on paper, whether you do it yourself or you have someone else um, create the process for you, make sure you get a tax receipt of it because if it supposedly got sent off and the IRS doesn't get it and they want to come back to you saying, you know, you are now in trouble because you didn't file your tax return, if you have that receipt, showing that, yes, this was filed off, here is my receipt of the filing, then they can't come out. Then you will not be held at any penalty or any financial charge. So make sure, and even if you're doing electronically, well, print out. Anytime things ask you, would you like a receipt, take that receipt. Because if you're saying it's just as much as something gets lost in the mail, someone pushes the wrong button, you don't want someone else's mistake to come back to you. So you know, that, sure makes, filing, that is a really a good point, Heather, about printing out receipts because – so often we tend to think, oh, my gosh, okay, I, I submitted this. It says that it went through, and do I want to print? Oh, I don't need a receipt. I'm trying to go paperless. But the reality is, is it could have gone to the wrong place. I recently made a house payment, and uh, actually I did it in person at the bank, and the teller put in the wrong mortgage number. And so, uh, you know, only a couple weeks later I was told that um, I was in default. 
So that could have been really dire circumstances had I just, you know, not realized if I'd thrown out the receipt, but I'd had the receipt, and that's important. Now, I before, I think that those are really good. I wanted to give you a couple of funny things, unless you had something else you wanted to. Uh, no, no. My I found own. some of the funniest things. I thought these were great. These are, um, I found this in Forbes magazine, and it is called Some of America's Silliest Taxes. So, yeah, there's only a couple, but I think you'll get a kick out of them. Yeah. In California, if you live in California and you were persecuted by the Ottoman Turkish Empire between 1913 and 1923 and you won a settlement, you're going to get an exclusion on your taxes. Uh-huh. Now, of course, that means you're almost 100 years old, but... If, were you persecuted by the Ottoman Turkish Empire? <laughs> Here's one in Maryland. The aquaculture float credit is available for people who harvest oysters, but you oh. can't harvest anything else. But you'll get an aquaculture float credit if you harvest oysters. This is one of my favorites. Minnesota. Before lighting a marijuana joint, you need to pick up a tax stamp. And that tax stamp will cost you $3.50 per gram. And many, many states have what they call toke taxes. So <laughs> In New York, this one is very funny, too. There is a sales tax exemption for musical comedies and operas, but it is not available to haunted houses if they charge more than $0.10 cents per ticket and play music. <laughs> what? In the state of Oregon, if you are a double amputee, you are entitled to a $50 tax credit. Oh, boy, I'm going to go chop my legs off so I can get $50. And then the final thing I just want to leave you with, because this is called, you know, this is the easy form on the federal form. It's t- uh, form 2106. It has this very ha- helpful statement. It says, an expense does not have to be required to be considered necessary. Huh? I don't get it. Well, anyway, with that dose of home humor, get your tax returns filed. We hope you get a refund. And how about making a donation to Be The Star You Are with that refund? And you can go to bethestaryouare.org, press donate. And then guess what? Next year you'll get a tax credit for whatever you donate. So All right. everyone wins. <laughs> so when we come back from break, you're going to hear about my personal encounter with the legendary Orson Welles. You've been listening to Star Style, Be the Star You Are. I'm Cynthia Bryan. And I'm Heather Brittany. And stay with us. Star-style.com, be the star you are.org, and of course, we are here with you on World Talk Radio. We will be right back. What's going on behind the scenes with your favorite World Talk Radio show or host? For the latest news, visit the iRadio blog at iradioblog.com. Business Bites. Here's Cynthia Bryan. Do you go with your gut when making decisions? Successful decision makers realize that victory is only achieved by strengthening their natural instincts. Consider the following tactics. Focus on solutions. Explore your alternatives. Clear your mind. Listen to your heart. Breathe. Go into action and be proactive. Distinguish between decisions and outcomes. You have control over your outcomes, but not of the ultimate results. 
If you focus on preparing for the worst-case scenario, rather than daring to see all the possibilities, you're going to gravitate towards being reactive instead of proactive. So trust your decisions. Develop your intuitive sense. It's similar to learning any new skill. The more you practice, the more proficient you'll become. Your success is ultimately about the action you take based on how well you listen to your gut. Remember, you are the star of your own performance. Turn your passions into profits. I'm Cynthia Bryan from Star Style with another business bite. For coaching, visit star-style.com or call 925-377-STAR. Be the star you are. Light up the flame that burns. Get a positive prescription for living and discover a cure for adversity when you make a difference in the lives of others by donating to Be The Star You Are, a 501c3 top-rated charity dedicated to empowering women, families, and youth through increased literacy, positive media, and tools for living. www.bethestarur.org All donations are tax-deductible. www.bethestarur.org Be the lucky star you're listening to the world talk radio variety channel Positive, uplifting, life-changing talk radio. It's the Power Hour on Star Style, Be the Star You Are. Now, back to the show with the Oprah of the Airwaves, Cynthia Bryan. Well, our purpose in providing you this radio program is to communicate to you that you already possess everything you need to be the writer, the producer, the director, and, of course, the star of your own life. We have three rules here. You must smile, you must have fun, and you must be willing to be wild and wacky. And, of course, I want you to always read some books. I mean, there's lots of information on the Internet, and, of course, people are listening to radio and television, but we also want you to read books. And I'm the author of six books, and love you to pick some up and uh, take a read, and, of course, to read the books of the authors that we showcase every week. My books, Chicken Soup for the Gardener's Soul, Be the Star You Are, Business is Show Business, Miracle Moments, Be the Star You Are for Teens, and The Blessings of Love and Relationships. You can get autographed copies and donate to the charity at the same time. Visit star-style.com. We have a motto. It's to be a leader, you must be a reader. Well, getting to meet heroes and legends is a major perk when working in the entertainment industry. In my debut film appearance back, way back, when I was just a young kid, in 1976, I acted alongside Hollywood greats Charles Bronson, Sylvia Sidney, Peter Finch, Horst Buckholtz, John Saxon, Jack Warden, Yafet Koto, James Wood, and many other illustrious cast members. And even though I was a complete newbie to the industry, everyone treated me kindly, offered helpful advice, posed for pictures, and made my first experience in the motion picture business, a pleasurable one. Now, my two best girlfriends attended the L.A. premiere with me, and still to this day, they recall the electrifying atmosphere in the audience. 
as the scenes unfolded. Our film, Radar and Tebby, won an Emmy under the stellar direction of Erwin Kirshner, who just passed away this past year. And I still receive residuals uh, for that movie as it plays in markets around the world. It wasn't long after that I was cast in roles in other major motion, motion pictures boasting major stars and directors, Warren Beatty, Julie Christie, James Mason, Buck Henry, Diane Cannon, Charles Grodin, Clint Eastwood, Kathleen Turner, Liam Neeson, Morgan Fairchild, Farrah Fawcett, George Lucas, Francis Ford Coppola, and of course the list goes on and on. And some of these films won Academy Awards, some even won Best Picture. So it's been an exciting career. Again, I worked, I ate, I played alongside these celebrities, and I always felt that although they were consummate performers and famous, they were real people. They were authentic, they were approachable, and they were friendly. So one day, my agent called to inform me that I had been cast in a commercial with the man who was heralded as the ultimate auteur. His name, Orson Welles. Well, with his deep, gravelly, distinctive voice and his immutable talent, Orson was an icon as a filmmaker, a theater director, a writer, a producer, and an actor. So I was absolutely thrilled beyond measure to meet this man that had terrorized America in the, his 1938 radio broadcast, War of the Worlds, which you know people thought was real, didn't realize it was, it was just an acting performance. And he was also boycotted by the Hearst Media Empire for his now classic cinematic masterpiece, Citizen Kane. So when cast and crew work on films, what you need to know is we really do truly work hard. There's a lot of preparation. There's lots that goes on. It's not so glamorous when you're actually doing it. It's only when you go to the theaters and see the work that it's, you know, really feels, you know, smooth and fluffy, et cetera. But Many directors encourage a family-type atmosphere, which yields better performances from the actors. And then it's during the breaks and meals that we may mingle and chat and get to know one another. Sometimes we hang out in each other's trailers. And sometimes a dramatic film, though, would require more concentration. And in those cases, actors may remain in character throughout the entire production, and they may have little or no interaction with their colleagues because they don't want to be distracted and they don't want to distract the other actors. But commercials are a different beast altogether. They're generally lighter and congenial. I mean, after all, we are all there to sell a product or a service by enticing the TV audience to buy something. So this is how I arrived on a commercial with Orson Welles. Orson arrived on the set with pomp and grandeur. I mean, he was huge, humongous. His presence was demanding dominance, and he swaggered to the hair and makeup trailer. He was wearing a full-length black cape. And moments before shooting, I and the other actors were introduced to this great man. Of course, we were very humbled. We were very excited. And I whispered something to the effect, it's an honor to meet you, Mr. Wells. And one of my colleagues added, I'm a big fan and follower of your work. Well, instead of res responding, even with a simple thank you, or respectfully, as most other people would have, Orson looked at us with such disdain. It was as, as if we were maggots feeding on his prestige. He dismissed us similarly with a flurry of his cloak. He sauntered away without a word of acknowledgement. And what 
followed was even worse. Throughout the entire day and night that we were shooting, he was swearing loudly and profusely, aiming his profanity at anyone and everyone within hearing distance. The director really had to take a lot of abuse. How he actually put up with him, I have no idea. I would have fired him in a nanosecond. The campaign was for Paul Messine Winery, um, which has become rather legendary now. And Orson eloquently proclaimed to the camera, we sell no wine before it's time, with his incredible voice. But when we wrapped, and as the bus drove back down the mountain, the other lowly, I put this in quotation marks, actors and myself reminisced sadly about our encounter with the supposed great master, Orson Welles. And although he may have been this accomplished, award-winning, and renowned actor, director, screenwriter, producer, voice, talent, and filmmaker, as a human being, he was greatly lacking. He was rude, he was disrespectful, and he was utterly unpleasant. We weren't pretending to be big stars or actors of importance when we met him. We were just his co-workers, cast on the same project, and therefore deserving of common courtesy and respect. Our admiration for the man went from a 10 to a 0 with that one personal encounter. And from that day forward, I had no desire to revisit any films by Orson Welles or have anything to do with them again. Now, although the film Me and Orson Welles was released in 2009, I didn't watch it again until a couple, I mean, I didn't watch it at all until a couple of nights ago because I, had a, I truly have a total distaste for the man. The only reason I did rent it from Netflix was because I admire the young actor, Zac Efron, who plays a teenager trying to convince Wells to cast him in the 1937 Mercury Theatre production of Julius Caesar. And I also enjoy performances by Claire Danes. Now, the actor Christian McKay, he portrayed Orson Welles in this movie, Me and Orson Welles, captured the egotism, the self-righteousness, the genius, as well as the dictatorial um, attitude that we witnessed in the aging Orson Welles, the real guy that we met on the commercial. I liked the movie. I would have liked the ending to be different. I would have liked Orson Welles, the character in the movie, to have kept his word to the teen who actually dared to stand up to him. But then again, fairy tale endings are only in the movies. And for Orson Welles, he lived by his own rules, and he created his own destiny. And he may be remembered in movie history as the ultimate auteur. But for me, he will always be my greatest entertainment disenchantment. And that is the rest of my story of Orson Welles and me. I know it's not a, a completely positive one, and I'm normally known for doing positive things, but after watching the movie, me and Orson Welles, I thought it was not time for me to share my story. So you're hearing it first. It's the first time I've ever talked about it outside of the actors that I worked with on that Paul Masson commercial, which was back in the late 1970s. And uh, Orson died in 1985, and it's, it's a sad thing that he was such a genius when it came to the film world. But as a human being, he was a real tough character. He was really, I, I believe he was probably insecure 
and that led him to be a mean person. I'm getting back to show business. I love show business. And, again, I've written the book, The Business of Show Business. You can pick up a copy if you go to star-style.com. We can send an autographed copy or just go to Amazon or Barnes & Noble or one of your online sites. You can find it there. But I was reading recently in Vanity Fair, and you may remember uh, it was about a year ago that we had the editor of Vanity Fair here on Star Style, Be the Star You Are, which was a rather interesting interview. But the, Vanity Fair recently did a show business special about Hollywood's top 40 and how much money they were earning. And it's very fascinating because it's the actors and the producers and the, uh, and the directors, the stars, the directors, and the producers that that are the big, big names. They're at the top of the money chain. And then, of course, there are all what we call the day players and then the ordinary actors who are just making a living, and they're not, they're not in this top, this top 40. But I thought it was worth bringing out to you. James Cameron is number one on the list, and we know that he is absolutely brilliant with what he, what he has brought to the screen. His estimated 2010 earnings were $257 million. Now, I wonder what kind of tax returns he has to file. It must be, it must be a million pages long. He got his back-end deal for writing, producing, and directing Avatar, which was based on the 2010 worldwide box office gross of $1.95 billion. That's billion with a B. And his share of the DVD and pay-for-television revenue excluding the $50 million that he earned in 2009 from that, was $248 million. That's the back end. So he got $50 million just to start the movie, and then 248 from actually making the movie. On top of that, his share of toy licensing and other revenue was $5 million, and then he made $4 million for... Some of his uh, older films, you know, that would be his royalties from earlier projects. Johnny Depp came in second. I love Johnny Depp. (laughs) He's one of my very, very favorite, most talented actors, I think. His estimated 2010 earnings were $100 million. Now, he lives in France, so I'm not sure how he files his tax returns. It would be interesting probably to find out. But he made $40 million, uh, from Alice in Wonderland, back in from starring, in the, that's the Tim Burton film, based on worldwide gross of $1.2 billion, and $35 million from Pirates of the Caribbean on Stranger Tales. Now, that was up front. That is the next installment that's coming up. So, again, if you're, I, I speak around the world about pirates, so I always look forward to these. I think he brings a lot of fun to it. Then running up, we have Steven Spielberg and Leonardo DiCaprio and Tim Burton and Adam Sandler and Todd Phillips, Taylor Lautner. These are the Twilight series. They come in. There's two, uh, three actors from that have done really well. In any case, it's a very fascinating look, but it does give people the wrong impression that all people in the entertainment business are making that. So I leave it up to you. Is it worth it? Is anybody worth $248 million? And of that, what are they giving to charity? How are they making a difference in the world? What are they doing to give back? And are they caring? And that is the most important thing as far as I'm concerned. It doesn't matter what you, what you make, but the important thing is 
how you pass it forward. So we, when we come back from break, we have a very fascinating guest for you who, who is paying it forward. He has been to hell and back, and he is here to share this horrible ordeal that he never wants you to do. The book is 23 Minutes in Hell. We'll be talking with Bill Weiss in just a moment. Don't go away. You're listening to Star Style, Be the Star You Are. I am Cynthia Bryan, and I'll be back in a bit. And I hope we'll talk a little heaven, too. Stay with me. Now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take World Talk Radio on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Looking for unique, one-of-a-kind gifts for the special woman in your life? The Carmony Collection creates handmade handbags, clutches, candles, and canvases from vintage and recycled fabrics, bangles, and beads. Be eco-friendly and fashionable with prices for all pocketbooks. Visit www.carmonycollection.com. That's Carmony with a K and Collection with a K. Or call 925-785-7827. Are you living your dreams? Want to create a life you love but don't know how to begin? Lifestyle coach and personal growth expert Cynthia Bryan has jump-started the lives and careers of clients for over two decades with her signature star-style consultations. With personalized sessions by phone or in person, you'll turn your passions into profits. Visit www.cynthiabryan.com or call 925-377-STAR. That's cynthiabryan.com or call 925-377-7827. Cynthia Bryan is your guide on the side. www.cynthiabryan.com. CynthiaBryan.com. You can be the star you are. Now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take World Talk Radio on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Be the star you are. You are the Turn up the volume, grab a seat, and get ready to be challenged, inspired, and motivated to greatness. It's power party time on Star Style, Be the Star You Are, with your hosts, the mother-daughter dynamic duo, Cynthia Bryan and Heather Brittany. Well, thank you so much for staying with me. You are listening to Star Style, Be the Star You Are, and I'm Cynthia Bryan, your personal growth coach here. Every week, Be the Star You Are showcases incredible authors and experts who enhance and inspire your life. Be the Star You Are is a 501c3 charity dedicated to empowering women, families, and youth through improved literacy, positive message programming such as this radio show, and tools for living. Make sure you take a look at the website, bethestarur.org. Well, Bill Weiss has literally been to hell and back, and the good news is he lived to talk about it and to warn us all about the dire consequences that are waiting for us in the lair of the demons if we don't live a certain kind of good life. And it's not, he's an accidental author, I would like to say. He's a New York Times bestseller with this true story, 23 Minutes in Hell, which is followed by his new DVD and book, 23 Questions About Hell, Everything You Want and Need to Know. And I'm telling you, we need to know this. Welcome, Bill, to Be the Star You Are. 
Thank you, Cynthia. It's an honor to be with you. Well, thank you. I'm, I have watched your DVD. I've read your books, and you have traveled the entire world speaking to thousands and thousands of people about what happened to you in November of 1998. So I, I'd like you to recount, probably for the hundredth millionth time, just a little bit of what happened in, between 3 and 3.23 a.m. that morning and how it has affected your life and what God has really been sending you out to spread the word. Absolutely. I'm honored to share it. So. Well, first of all, this was not a near-death experience. This was an out-of-body experience that's classified as a vision in the Bible. So I did not die. I just had a vision, and the Bible is full of different visions that people have had. Um, anyway, so I've never had a vision before. I've been a real estate broker, conservative person, and uh, came home from a prayer meeting, went to bed that night, and I got up at 3 o'clock in the morning to get a glass of water, and suddenly I was pulled out of my body, like being sucked out of your body. And I found myself falling through the air, and I landed in this stone cell in hell, a prison cell. Uh, like rough-hewn stone walls, bars, but like a filthy dungeon, the most disgusting, horrible place. And the heat was far beyond the ability to sustain life, and I wondered, how could it be alive? I was fully awake and cognizant. I was not dreaming. I was actually transferred to this place. I had no idea why nothing was explained until the way back. And... Um, but it's the most horrendous place you could ever imagine. Uh, there, the, the heat, and there were, I was in this cell with these demonic creatures. They were blaspheming and cursing God. They had an extreme hatred for God. And then they directed that hatred towards me. Uh, picked me up, threw me into the wall. I collapsed. I felt bones break. They dug their claws into my chest, tore at me. They, they had an extreme hatred. And I had a body. I wondered, how could I be alive through all this? But yet, I wanted to die, but you can't. And um, anyway, I was taken out of this prison cell. I was placed over next to this large raging pit of fire with literal fire. It wasn't metaphorical or allegorical flames. It was real literal flames. And this is where I could first see people. Uh, there were people screaming so loud, just millions of people in this huge pit burning. It was the most awful sight to see a person on fire burning. And uh, demons shoving them back into the flames. There were all kinds of different sizes and shapes of demonic creatures. Um, there were spiders and snakes and maggots and every disgusting thing you would not want to see. Uh, the, the smell and the odors are so foul and putrid. And you wondered, how could I be alive breathing this toxic air? It's also uh, sulfur that you're breathing, burning sulfur, which is toxic. And uh, that should have killed me. But yet, again, you keep going. There's not enough air to breathe. It, it's so dark in hell. The only light was next to these flames. And uh, a little bit there was light in that cell. It was God's presence there to illuminate it so I could see. But then it resumed its normal state of absolute pitch black darkness. And I mean, it's really dark in hell. Uh, you could feel the darkness. That's not an exaggeration. Everything I'm telling you is in the Bible. I could give you scripture on the way, but I know time constraints here, so... Well, I was very impressed when I watched your DVD, Bill, because you have a scripture that a scripture reading or a quote that relates to all the different experiences that you encountered while you were in hell. But I call you an accidental author only because this book very much seems to be God-inspired, and I say that with great reverence because when you went through this, you wanted to make sure you weren't crazy. And you didn't even tell people about it. And then right. as people, as you did tell people, 
it the the publisher actually came to you to write this book to get right. the word out. Right. I only told one close friend, and he asked me to come to our, his Bible study. And three months later, I went reluctantly and shared it. But then we began getting invited to different studies and churches and all around the country. There was no book then. We did this for seven years, and we paid our own way. We never took one dime from anybody for seven years. And then the and publisher came to us. And you and your wife were successful business people before. And as you said, you were in real estate. Right. And, right. But this became your whole life, is trying to help other people. Right. We were, my wife and I were making over half a million dollars a year in the real estate business. I owned my own company for 35 years. And, um, and then the publisher came to us asked us to write the book. Well, after that, we began getting so many invitations to speak, we didn't know what to do. So we just felt like the Lord said, quit your job and trust me. And so that was not an easy thing to walk away from a, a good income like that. No. And I had a built-up clientele, so it, it took 35 years to build that up. But we, it, we felt such an urgency because, you know, this place is so severe, and most people don't know that it really truly exists. It's really a geographical location, and, but it's people's choice. And there's a lack of knowledge out there about this subject. So we just wanted to share information so people can make an informed decision. And I'm not here to convince anyone to believe my experience. I'm just here as a signpost to point them to the scriptures and at least check them out. Find out what God says. There really is a hell, but he didn't make it for man. He doesn't want anybody to go there. But there, there's only one way to stay out, and that's our purpose right now is to travel and explain this to people. We're so. talking to Bill Weiss. His book is 23 Minutes in Hell, and his DVD and book is 23 Questions About Hell, Everything You Want and Need to Know. And both he and his wife, Annette, their, their total mission in life has become to keep you away from hell and to at least give you the opportunity to choose because that's what, that's what our life is about, is choosing. Bill? Yes. Oh, okay, I wanted to make sure that you could, you could hear me. So, all right, so the, when you talk about, when you have been walking around talking about going to hell, when you first wrote your book, it, there, there were some books out there about hell, but you had never read them. But you were very, very versed in uh, the Bible. You had an incredible experience that happened to you when you were a teenager and you were surfing in Florida. That just made my, my blood crawl when you were surrounded by sharks and actually had a shark bite off the leg of a, a fellow surfer and actually bite your board in half and... By, yeah. Go to swallow you, but you didn't have a scratch. Tell us about that experience. Well, that was when I was 17. I used to surf a lot and was off Cocoa Beach, Florida. And uh, sharks were all around us, about 100 guys out. And a shark grabbed my leg and pulled me down under the water. And so I share that story so people can understand or relate. You can imagine the fear that I felt at that moment. Well, that fear that I felt then paled in comparison to what you feel in hell. And it lasts for all eternity in hell. But And the amazing thing was back then also the, the shark opened its mouth and let me go, which is a miracle. Sharks don't do that. Uh, these were tiger sharks, their most vicious shark, and I didn't even have a mark in my leg. So God was looking out for me when I was 17. I was not a Christian then, but I got saved immediately after that. And uh, so anyway, I just shared that so that people can understand the fear that you feel. In hell. Something about hell that you share in your book, in 23 Minutes in Hell, as well as in your DVD, 
is that when there isn't a way out. It's not like once you're there, you can say, oh, my gosh, I repent. Oh, my, I'm sorry. Oh, what did I do wrong? You know, right. You have, to, you have to not get there in the first place. Exactly. And that's really the worst part of hell is knowing you'll never get out, ever. And the Bible's real clear on that. There's so many verses on it being eternal. But you have that understanding when you're there that you're not going to get out. And to be hopeless, most of us in life have never experienced that because even if your situation is terrible, you can always die to get out of it. But in hell, you understand you're not going to get out of this torment. There's no one going to come rescue you. So this decision, we have to make it now while we're alive on this earth. And, you know, God gives man a free will because he loves him. And he tells you clearly, here's how you stay out of hell. I don't want you to go there. I made it for the devil and his angels, not for you. But here's how you stay out. And man says, I don't believe that way. I think this is how you get to heaven. And he makes up his own way. Well, God wants to make it clear to people. There is only one way. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes unto the Father but by me. He said in John 14, 6. So he, he made it clear. You want to live at his house, you do it his way. There is only one way out of this place, to stay out of this place. Well, I liked, what, you know, I liked your comparison of would I think you were a mean person if, you know, a total stranger knocked on your door and said I was moving in. And that, I mean, people would say, my God, that's ludicrous. You, you know, nobody has to take in a complete stranger. And so what you talk about is we all have to develop a relationship. Right, And right. when we develop a relationship with God, that's when we'll be invited into the book of life. That's when we'll be invited to be part of the household. Right, that's the common misconception. There was a 2006 Barna poll that showed that 54% of Americans believe that if you do good works, you'll get to heaven. But it has nothing to do with good works. It's, uh, you being good doesn't get you in. It's just like if, if I said, hey, I'm a good person, uh, Cynthia, will you let me move into your house? No, it has nothing to do with it. You don't know me. So the same way, we have to have a relationship with God to be able to move into his house. It has nothing to do with being good. So that's what I want to make clear to people, because that's the misconception. Well, one of the things that you pointed out, there's many things in this book that we're talking about. We're talking to Bill Weiss, his book, 23 Minutes in Hell, and his uh, other book, 23 Questions About Hell, which includes a marvelous DVD. That DVD is so well put together, by the way, Bill. I just, you know, with all the images and the, the demons and the fire, I mean, it, it really, really captured what you were talking about. Is Thank you. That you t and this, I'm so glad you put this in, is you often wonder if a child dies, or a baby dies. I just always hate it when somebody says, oh, the child hasn't been baptized or whatever. It will forever be in hell or in purgatory. And I was really happy to hear you say that in your vision, there were not children there. No, there were not. And I understood there were not. But more importantly, the Bible's clear about it. Jesus said, permit the little children to come unto me, for such is the kingdom of heaven. And he said, unless you accept the kingdom of heaven like a little child, you will not enter. So he, he let you know all through the scripture that a child goes to heaven. And I knew there were none there. There were no, the outlines I saw of the skeleton forms of people in the flames were adult size. And the screams I could hear were adult sounding screams. You know how you can tell the difference in a child screaming and an adult. There were no sounds of a child. And also I just had that understanding there were none. But again, more importantly, it's what the scripture says, so. Now, Bill, also you, you said that uh, although you felt, you know, 
what was for you incredible pain and the heat and the smells. I mean, it just was disgusting and horrible, all the terrible things that were happening. When you came back, when you came out of this vision, although you were haunted a bit by it, there were not those residual effects. It was like you were protected from it. Since the time, have you've never gone back because you asked never to go back, right? You had one time where you saw a little bit and then you asked never to go back. What about visions of heaven? Well, I'd love to. I'd much rather see heaven. Oh, I would but, you love know, to do that. Wouldn't that be great? Yeah, but, you know, we don't have any control over that. It's only if God would want to take us there. Mm-hmm. The same as in the Bible. He took Paul and John to heaven to see heaven in a vision. They actually traveled there, and they went to heaven. And this is not to compare my experience with any of these great men of the Bible, but just to give a scriptural basis. So God can take you wherever he wants in a vision. And I'd much rather have gone to heaven, but instead he chose to show me hell. And I asked him why, and he said, because many people do not believe hell is real. He said, even some of my own people, Christians, do not believe hell exists. There's a lot of false teachings out there today. Um, There's teachings about annihilationism or universalism or soul sleep, many false teachings that even the church is is unaware of a lot of what the Bible says about hell. And I never knew anything about hell. I never studied it until after this experience. You know, I was happy I wasn't going there as a Christian. I was a Christian for 41 years. This happened 12 years ago. But but, uh, I began studying it and found out all these verses. There are over 250 verses that talk about Everything I saw is in the Bible. So. Do you ever now, Bill, like when you go to sleep at night, or do you ever have any flashbacks of it, or are you just now so focused on helping other people stay out of it that that, that horrible yep. experience is really from the past? It is 12 years ago. It is. I haven't had any, and but the reason was when I came back in my body, I felt my body dying because... The thoughts and memories of hell are so severe, your physical body will die. You can't even keep them in your mind. And I started screaming, and I went into a traumatized state, and it woke up my wife. Anyway, she prayed for me, and I I said, Lord, pray that God takes this horror out of my mind. So God removed the horror part, but left the memory, separated the two somehow. says he's able to divide both soul and spirit, so somehow he can do that. And so I never have any flashbacks, bad dreams, nothing like that. And so God's been gracious. I just have the memory of it so I can share with people what happened. And again, this was uncomfortable for me to share this. I didn't want to do this. You know, I had a really good job. I didn't need this to travel around the country, pay my own way, and be ridiculed in any way. There was no book then and so forth. And again, the publisher came to us. But the point was, now I don't mind because if one person can just be pointed to the Scripture and check it out and get saved and not go to this horrible place, then it's worth any inconvenience or uncomfortableness. Too, that Bill, in the last, you know, 10, 20 years perhaps, uh, hell has been glossed over. I think it's had a facelift. And so people don't really think about it that much anymore. Right. I and, think you know, we talk about it's hell on earth. Or just like we throw out these comments, you know, oh, go to hell, or mm-hmm. I've been to hell and back, like I started off this, you know. But we don't really think about is it really, is there really a place that is several hundred miles deep into the core of the earth? You also saw, as you were coming back, you, your body floated above the earth, and you actually had to come back into the solar system. Well, that we wanted to be just a above, very interesting uh, experience because you saw yourself literally floating over your own living room and your own body. Right, right. We went above the earth's surface, uh, just out 
into space, we came out of this whirlwind tunnel that extended above the Earth's surface. Now, I could see it in, my, in the vision. I could see it, but in your physical eyes, we can't see that whirlwind. We came back down through the atmosphere and back down, and I viewed my body lying on the floor through the roof of our home. And it was so strange to look at your body. I thought, that's not me. This is a real me. It looks so temporal to look at your body. It looks just like if you were to get out of your car. It's a vehicle to get you around in life, but it's not you. That's how the body looks, so temporal. And um, because the real you is your soul, your spirit, your which is eternal. Well, the other thing that I found so wonderful and fascinating, and talk about paying it forward, is that both you and Annette, you know, with your company, Soul Choice, you are sewing these books, these resources, to death row inmates. So I really looked at, you know, prison. You were in prison in hell, and now you are serving the prisons by giving them these books so that they can have a change, so they can see the light before it's too late. And I really commend you for that. Oh, that must be you. very fulfilling to, to get the, peop- you know, the testimonials from people who have not been that good of citizens. Right. We feel a real compassion for people in prison, and especially death row. So we've given a lot of books to prisoners, and our books are in most of the prisons around the country. And so that's a great honor. And to reach the death row prisoners, because they're, like, forgotten. you know. And they're not to God, though. God, Everybody is so special to God and important, because he loves everyone. And that death row prisoner, he has no one. It's like he's at the end of his rope, so to speak, and uh, God wants to reach him and not have him go to an eternal prison. So uh, that's why we feel a heart to get our books to them, especially. Well, let's give out your website, 21minutesinhell.com. Uh, I mean, 23. Excuse me, 23minutesinhell.com. And it's just the number 23 minutes in hell. The author is Bill Weiss, and it's spelled W-I-E-S-E. And then the new book that has a bonus DVD, and I really recommend watching this DVD, is 23 Questions About Hell, which really answers so many of these questions that we all have about, you know, doesn't God consider my heart? You know, why would God be so mean, etc.? And you really have the scriptural references to it. Bill, I just uh, want to thank you and your beautiful wife, Annette, for your mission and your ministry and for being so truthful and living your truth to help other people. Well, thank you, Cynthia. It's been an honor to be on your show, and I thank you for writing, I mean, reading the book and watching the DVD, and I really appreciate that. So we just want to get the word out to people. Don't go there. It is my pleasure. Do not go to hell. 23 Minutes in Hell will help you stay away. Bill Weiss, W-I-E-S-E, 23 Minutes in Hell.com. Thank you so much, Bill. Give my best to Annette. I really appreciate you being on the show. And all of you out there, may you use the gifts that you have received. Pass on the love that's been given to you. May you can be content knowing that you are a child of God and let that presence settle into your bones and sing and dance and bask in the sun. And until we get together again next week, I hope we have encouraged, inspired, informed, and motivated you. My name is Cynthia Bryan. The show is Star Style. Be the star you are. Go out into the world and be the star you are. Thanks for joining us.
Thank you for being part of our star galaxy on today's episode of Star Style, Be the Star You Are. We hope you've enjoyed the commentary and are motivated to dream big, overcome obstacles, and realize your potential. For further information, visit www.starstyleradio.com. Join our power party next week right here on World Talk Radio as Cynthia Bryan, Heather Brittany, and the pioneers of the planet pump up the energy with positive, uplifting, life-changing radio. Until then, be the star you are. You are.